0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's sports media payhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. We are coming at you here on this Wednesday, December 28th of 2022, smack down the middle of the the holiday season. Hopefully you all had a nice Christmas, a nice holiday weekend, whatever you celebrate. Hopefully you've enjoyed it with friends and family. New Year's coming up. Be safe. Have fun. You know the drill. And you also know that if you want us uh, the best way, To listen to a new episode of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast each time we put out a new show is to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that via Spotify, Apple, Google. You know the drill by now. Um, Yes, this is our last show of 2022. We launched this humble podcast in June. So we've had about a uh, six-month run here. It's been a blast. Spoken to some really cool people. And I've gotten to opine about one of my favorite things to opine about sports media and everything around it. Hopefully you all have enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed uh, producing these shows for you each and every week. And we're going to close out the show this week. Everybody does it, so I might as well do it. Not going to do media awards, but I am going to tell you my biggest media story, sports media story of the year. I think the biggest media story of the year is Elon Musk taking over Twitter, which We covered extensively last week with Sean Keeley, who's the editorial director of Comeback Media. He wrote the piece, What Will Happen to Sports Media If Twitter Dies. If you have not heard my interview with him or read his article, I encourage you to do so because it's, I think, a nice synopsis, if I dare pat myself on the back, of, uh, again, I think the biggest media story of the year. But biggest sports media story of the year coming up in a few moments. That's reason enough to listen to the end of the show, is it not? But we begin with the Patriots still being a complete mess after their performance against the Bengals on Saturday, shut out for the first half, punt on their first six drives, not even crossing midfield on their first six drives. And we've talked about this ad nauseum throughout the season, and especially in recent weeks, but the pylon is now coming for not just the Patriots and Matt Patricia and Belichick is starting to get it, but Mac Jones, who tripped Eli Apple, Bengals cornerback Eli Apple, um after a an apparent fumble was scooped up by a Cincinnati linebacker that play was called back it was nullified but Jones's trip was not nullified the low block on Eli Apple the NFL has fined uh, Mac Jones for the first time in his career but there's been a huge pile on Darius Slay cornerback for the Eagles has called out Mac Jones on social media over the last couple of days Ryan Clark who now of course works as an NFL analyst for ESPN called Mac Jones the Grayson Allen of the NFL. Grayson Allen, of course, is one of the dirtiest players in the NBA. Now, one might say it's a little ironic for Ryan Clark to be calling somebody else a dirty player, given his proclivity for high and dirty hits during his career. Just ask Wes Welker about that, who he concussed. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, nobody looks good on the 2022 Patriots and the stink of this moribund offensive attack and disjointed coaching staff, and none of it looks right. As I've said, national broadcasters from Troy Aikman to Jonathan Vilma are piling on New England, and it's continuing to everybody. Mac Jones is not safe. Nobody is safe from the stink that is currently surrounding the Patriots franchise. And as I said, it's open season. Kurt Warner, who already this month, has ripped the Patriots' offense twice. He said just a couple weeks ago in an interview with the Boston Herald that he would be, quote, bored to death playing QB in New England. Uh, Kurt Warner tweeted out a screenshot Monday, I should say just an image Monday, of some handwritten notes that he took after watching an unnamed team's offense over the weekend. And uh, yeah, you got about two bullet points down before you said, oh, mm -hmm. he's definitely talking about the Patriots here. (laughs) third and six screen and all capital letters, question marks. What would you know on the Patriots' second offensive drive? They were faced with third and six, and Mac Jones threw an incomplete screen pass to Ramondre Stevenson. The first bullet point, you can even guess it was the Patriots. Warner, third and four, concept, all caps, question marks. Uh, Yeah, Patriots' first offensive drive, third and four. Mac Jones was sacked. There was no play to be had. And to Warner's eyes, and they're probably right, No concept. The Patriots have turned into a complete punching bag, and yes, they do still have a chance to make the playoffs, but this is not a team that is captivating the nation. If you want any further proof of that, just go to Sunday Night Football. Patriots-Dolphins, that is a game with real playoff implications, could have been flexed to Sunday night. But no, the Patriots are staying at 1 p.m. Instead, NBC is flexing in Steelers-Ravens to Sunday Night Football this week. Another game with playoff implications for both clubs. But let's be honest, Lamar Jackson's health is a question mark. Uh, The Steelers are a sub-500 team. Uh, This is not a Ravens-Steelers game circa 2012-13-14. I mean, this is a downgraded version of that rivalry. But still, nbc flex the Patriots out of Sunday night football a couple weeks ago for their game against the Raiders, the Belichick McDaniels bowl, not a lot of sexiness to it. when both teams have losing records and not a lot of sexiness with the Patriots at all. NBC had an opportunity to flex the Patriots into Sunday night football this week. And they didn't do it. When did you think you would ever hear those words? So, The Celtics and Bruins keep winning, which is great because Patriots are a mess and the Red Sox, the Red Sox can barely tread water here at this point. Uh, Chad Finn of the Globe had this piece a couple days ago about how the Red Sox poor off season and really upsetting off season, frankly, is uh, going to only make it harder for them to recapture fans' attention this summer. And, you know, the Red Sox have been rightfully pilloried the interest kings for just not making significant moves and not spending money the way that big teams, big market teams are supposed to spend money. Xander Bogarts leaving the free agency. Yes, probably smart to not sign Bogarts to a $280 million contract over 11 years. But I don't know. The Red Sox offered him like a one-year $30 million extension in spring training. So they were only $250 million off of his market. I mean, maybe if the Red Sox made a more competitive offer for Bogarts before he reached free agency this winter, he would still be here, but nonetheless, he's gone and the Red Sox have not replaced him. Uh, They've signed Justin Turner to replace JD Martinez. Um, You know, Yoshida, the Japanese outfielder, we'll see about him. Kenley Jansen, the closer, but this has not been a sexy off season by any stretch of the imagination. It's been a downright abhorrent off season, according to most. And if you just look at these ratings numbers, you know, Red Sox games on Nesson last year averaged a 2.65 household rating. That was down more than 35% from their 2021 season, uh, in which they averaged a 4.23 household rating on Nesson. And of course, in 2021, the Red Sox went to the ALCS and were two games away from ousting the Astros in reaching the World Series. But they suffered that 35% decline this season. Only six teams' regional cable sports networks ratings dropped more last season than the Red Sox. And those. Excuse me. And those clubs would be the Reds, the A's, the Giants, the Rockies, the Nationals, and the Tigers. So definitely not company that you want to keep. And just you look at a snapshot of how far the Red Sox have even fallen over the last few years. If you go back to 2020, of course, was the pandemic shortened season. The Red Sox were awful. They averaged a 2.14 rating. But if you go back to 2019, right? 2019 season was yes post-2018 World Series. But by June, July, it was apparent that we were not going to see a repeat performance out of that team. The biggest storyline all season was David Price getting into that heated airplane argument with Dennis Eckersley. I mean, that was not really a beloved Red Sox team by any stretch of the imagination. Yet, the average household rating for Nessun in 2019 during Red Sox games, 5.25. And you even look at 2021, a much better year in which the Red Sox made the ALCS, their rating was 4.23. So even in a better season, if not a much better season, and a much more likable team in 2021 than they had in 2019, the Red Sox still saw their ratings fall from 5.25 to 4.23. And then this year, they're down to 2.65. So they've lost roughly half of their audience over the last three years. Um, you know, it just goes back to, you can say all you want about the risks of signing a player like Bogarts to an example, as an example to an 11 year, $280 million contract. But what I'm shocked that John Henry doesn't seem to realize, and he used to realize that, but I'm not sure what's going on, but yes, you make these signings. You're not going to get value for the duration of the contract. But you hope that a player can make up that value in the front end of the deal. And part of that value is driving ticket sales, driving TV ratings, which allows you to charge advertisers more money, of course, to advertise on your games. That means more money for Nesson, more money for the Red Sox. And it's amazing again to me that John Henry either doesn't seem to realize this or willfully ignores it because I don't know. I mean, the Red Sox are in a pretty dire situation here. They've lost roughly half of their average TV audience over the last three years, and they have an ALCS appearance sandwiched in between there. Um, So, yeah, bad, bad situation for the Red Sox, and this offseason has not made things any better. And speaking of the Globe, I like Alex Spear. He's a really good baseball guy, but he wrote an article this weekend that I think rightfully got criticized all over Twitter. The headline, Massachusetts Millionaire's Tax is Impacting How Agents Negotiate with the Red Sox. And, you know, maybe that's true. In November, Massachusetts voters approved the so-called Millionaire's Tax, bumping up state income taxes in 2023 from 5% to 9% on annual income over $1 million. Baseball players, of course, pay state income tax based on the location of their games and they make their money through annual salaries. So they are the ones athletes are the ones who always pay the highest tax rates. And that's really the difference between being rich and being wealthy, but I won't go down that road. Um, anyway, so that may be true. And Alex Spear in his article talks to Kike Hernandez, who signed a one year, $10 million extension with the Red Sox this off season. Hernandez, he signed it in September, rather, but Hernandez signed the deal before the tax had been passed. He said he wasn't aware of it and is now going to have a talk with his agent. Um, Spear says the Sox said multiple agents are now lumped in with teams in California and New York, needing to outbid clubs in more favorable tax environments. But here's the thing. Here's why this is especially embarrassing for the Red Sox. Uh, I'm not sure if they've noticed. But teams in California, <clears throat> like the Dodgers and Padres, and teams in New York, like the Yankees, and certainly the Mets, um, yeah, they have done what they need to do to outbid clubs in more favorable tax environments. Do you think that the New York state income tax rate has impacted the Mets' ability to lure star free agents this offseason? No, because Steve Cohen is spending like a drunken sailor and he'll do anything to win. Do you think the high taxes in California have prevented the Padres or the Dodgers from spending in recent years? No way at all. That is an arms race of epic proportions out in the National League West. So please, so the Boston Globe, which is owned by John Henry, is running an article about how the millionaire's tax is impacting how ages negotiate with the Red Sox. Please, 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 please. Optically, that is just so, so embarrassing. Embarrassing. And as I said, that rightfully got torn apart on Twitter over the weekend, over the nice holiday weekend. And the big storyline over the holiday weekend If there was a, I mean, there were the NBA, of course, always owns Christmas day, but not this year. Nope. This year, the NFL took over Christmas Eve on the Saturday, three games, Christmas day on the Sunday, and it ended with Tom Brady, another fourth quarter comeback. Bucks Cardinals. Yes. He was able to beat, uh, Trace McSorley, a vintage Brady performance, but it was on Sunday night football. I bet you the ratings are huge because the biggest media story of 2022 if there was any doubt, is that the NFL has once again proved that it is king. It's totally the, it's, it is by far the most valuable product on television. The league continues to dominate in the ratings. Thanksgiving Day this year, uh, the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving Day against the Giants was the highest rated regular season NFL game in decades, and you just never see numbers like that given the current climate of TV. Last year, 21 of the 30 highest-rated shows on TV were NFL games, 75 of the top 100 highest-rated shows on TV were NFL games, and that pattern has only continued this year, and you see it. The NFL, new media rights deal, $110 billion over 11 years. Amazon is now paying the league $1 billion per season. And this offseason, the big story, we talked all about the quarterback carousel, but it was really the announcer's carousel. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman go to ESPN. Al Michaels goes over to Amazon for Thursday Night Football. All of those guys earning upwards of $10 million annually to call 16, 17, 18 NFL games per season. So it all ties together. The insane money being thrown to NFL announcers, the musical chairs, the ratings, it's It shows no signs of letting down. That's the thing. The NFL is beyond Teflon at this point. I mean, it really is. From surviving scandal after scandal, and this year, the Sean Watson scandal, I mean, can you think of something more gross than that? He's paid at the time the largest contract in NFL history after dozens of women accuse him of sexual misconduct, sexual assault, but the Browns acquire him anyway. He suspended the first, what was it, 11 games of the season. He's back when he returns ESPN, NFL Network, the networks. They barely, barely scratch the surface as to why he was suspended. And now the Browns are out of the playoffs, forgettable season, and everyone's moved on. And no one's really talked about Deshaun Watson. So the NFL continues to survive scandal after scandal, and it continues to thrive in this environment in which everything else on TV, I mean, it's just so amazing that everything else on TV has experienced these severe ratings declines, and the NFL hasn't just kept pace, but in a lot of aspects, the NFL is doing better than ever, and certainly the gap between the NFL and everything else on TV only gets bigger. So, you know, the Occam's Razor Theory, sometimes the most obvious point is the correct one. That applies here. The NFL is king. And that is our biggest media story of 2022. Uh, And my prediction is for 2023, the NFL is going to add a Black Friday game. Uh, You know, at this point, you know, five years from now, I would expect the NFL season, frankly, to continue into at least President's Day weekend, if not March at this point. They're going to keep at. I mean, they have 17 games now. You know, that's only just laying the groundwork for an even 18 games. And... There's no such thing as oversaturation. You add more playoff teams, more primetime games, more games in general. Doesn't matter. We cannot get enough of the NFL. And hopefully, six months in, you cannot get enough of this little podcast. It's a sports media mayhem. Thank you for listening. As I said at the top of the show, Happy New Year. If you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do that is via Twitter. At alexreamer one is my username. That again is at alexreamer one So long, everybody. I'll talk to you, ready for this, next year.